did you find this? Oh, Craig just joined. It's Friday. Oh, Craig's yeah. here. We're here. Episode 109. We are being visited by a friend. Hunter, how's it going, Hunter? It's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Been a, been a while. It's uh, had a lot of fun last time, so glad to be back. Hell yeah. We talked to you at the beginning of the season, or before the season started. Now we're like at the end of the season already, so time moves quick. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's week 13 already. I can't believe this shit. I saw that. I saw. I got the playoff notification. Hey, playoffs in, in 10 days. I was like, no way. <laughs> we just did this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm so exhausted. <laughs> I'm uh, beat to death right now. I'm fucking tired. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no days off. Real shit. Uh, it's Friday night. We're hanging out. We're talking, we're talking ball. Um, so I can't think of a better way to start than to have Ryan start us off. All right. Let's talk this week about someone that was uh, an integral part of establishing like a players association for in the fifties and sixties. Uh, Let's talk about Mr. Gertie Salto. Um, was born in Duluth, Minnesota was a lifelong San Francisco 49er. I uh, played. Yeah. Well, he was a wide receiver for nine seasons. Um, he, he was also the kicker. Okay. Let's look at some highlights really quick. We'll get those out of the way. So he once scored 26 points in a victory over the Rams in 1951. Um, I don't know. It had, there had to have been some kicking involved in there as, as well as maybe a touchdown um, to get 26 points. Yeah. So that was the 49ers single game record, uh, which stood for 39 years until guess who broke it? Jerry Rice. He once caught 10 passes for 190 yards against the Giants in 1952. So in the 50s, that's huge. That's like Megatron's yeah. like 300-yard game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, weight, like weight um, adjusted. Yeah. Uh, inflation. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, he once kicked four field goals in, the Ram- um, in a game against the Rams in 56. Um, he was the color commentator for the 49ers in the 60s. Uh, He's in the Bay Area um, Sports Hall of Fame. But let's talk a little bit about this guy's life. During his time in professional football, at this time in history, a lot of guys had to have, like, other jobs, you know, because it wasn't a – it was a high-paying gig, but some teams weren't making that much. You go work in a steel mine. Yeah. Yes. So he was actually, like, um, a sales rep at some type of, like, paper company they made like anything from matches to like cardboard and shit like that he actually became a, like a vice president of sales and retired at that job like so he while he was working while he was playing football he was also working so in 1954 there were only 12 teams in the league um and many players had some issues with the owners and wanted to start a players association Mr. Gordy was the first ever player representative for the 49ers. Um, but when the players like started to come around, we're like, you know, we need to look out for our rights and stuff like that. Of course, these owners objected, especially the ones from the oldest teams in the league, even threatening to cut players who participated. Can you imagine that? Uh, I mean, <laughs> shockingly, yes. <laughs> 
However, in 1954, representatives from each of the six younger teams in the league had their first meeting in Philadelphia. Those teams were the Lions, the Bears, um, Washington, the Giants, the 49ers, and obviously Gordy was the representative at that conference. Okay. Burt Bell, the commissioner of the league at the time, was yep. invited to this conference. But guess what? He didn't go. That's... <laughs> I mean, remember, he ended up getting his when he fucking died at a football game. Right. So at this meeting, there were, I guess, three major issues, uh, including, you know, establishing this this union. So the league uh, should establish a pension plan. Uh, players should be paid for exhibition games during training. And team owners should provide playing shoes. They weren't providing <laughs> shoes for the players. <laughs> Dude, it's like the jersey shit. The players have to buy their jersey every game. That's ridiculous. Okay, now I really want to see what kind of shoes some of these guys were playing in because you know there were some dudes just playing in like their work boots or something. <laughs> yeah, right. I figure they had like a like a Cintas that like shows up and you have to like order from their mail order catalog non-slip football the, shoes. The Mac Tools truck shows up with all their <laughs> shoes. Yep. They replace the carpets in the lobby and give you your shoes. So the players established this association and uh, players had to pay $25 as like yearly dues. Gordy persuaded the 49ers owner um, to just deduct it from players' check, players' checks. And I guess the league just followed suit. Oh, wait, no. The rest of the teams refused and the reps had to chase players who hadn't paid around the locker room. <laughs> like... Or in their favorite bar or in the parking lot to collect their $25. You do you know how many of those owners would get Geno Smith if they tried to do that today? <laughs> like harass your dude in the locker room for unpaid dues. Like try telling Jamal Adams he owes you twenty five bucks. Didn't right? Didn't Arizona basically do that this off season of like, hey, you didn't pay for that Chipotle meal. I need that shit. Uh huh. Yep. They got they got billed for their meals <laughs> that they took out of the team campus and ate at home. Right. Uh, so it took four years for the owners to like start getting serious about this shit. Um, and it wasn't until 62 that the owners put money into a pension plan that was 54. So we're talking, what, eight years later? That's like three career lengths. Right. <laughs> so then in the early 60s, Vic Maitland, a close friend of Art Rooney and owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, came up with a plan and the philosophy caring for kids that the owners could live with. The Players Association changed this to the NFL Alumni Association. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a much better ring to it, for sure. Right. So he did a bunch of charity after that and lived a decent life. He died in 2014, so in the last 10 years. Lived a good life. Did a lot for the Players Association that we all know and love today um <laughs> yeah the players love that shit yeah right hey man um, i will say though like i i get emotionally weirdly at two things movie trailers i get teary-eyed i don't know why it's just part of the nicole kidman experience and then when they do those charity ads of mike leads my cause and i'm like oh they're doing so many good things uh-huh <laughs> yep oh yeah at one point too he was also in 1952 and 53, he was the two-time NFL scoring leader. Nice. 
There we go. Right. Well, well when you're, I'm guessing because he was kicking too. <laughs> I'll say when you're right. Jerry Rice and uh, Justin Tucker, it's pretty easy. Yeah. No shit. Right. He had almost 3,500 3, yards in his career. Sure. I was going to say, it's such, like, it's such a classic dumb guy thing to be like, oh, athletes get paid way too much money to play a game. But like, especially in the NFL, so many of these guys, it's like they play for three years and their bodies are destroyed and like they've made maybe a million dollars and, you know, they've got like lifetime, you know, disabilities that yeah. they got from, you know, <laughs> playing that game. So... Right, you know, like it is genuinely cool whenever there's like some you know labor movement and solidarity and stuff going on in the, in the league and uh, yeah, yeah. So it's cool to talk about the guy that kind of led the the origins of that. I think that's yeah. also too, like our most unified drum that we beat the hardest for. Like we could all come to consensus of like, hey, these people all should be taken care of for literally going through a car crash sometimes twice a week for sixteen weeks for X amount of years. For me yeah, to clap right. and get mad at an app and bitch with people on Discord of their A dot, right? Yep. That's yeah, Ryan, that's a cool story, man. Thanks for starting us off with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I got one for you, and it's not union related, but before we start, I gotta point out the uh Henry Kissinger death watch has officially ended. Henry Kissinger. Dead! <laughs> Now, kids, we all know that sometimes when Secretary of State die, they're back again the very next week. That's why I'm presenting this sworn affidavit that Henry Kissinger he will never, ever, ever return. I'm crediting Hunter with this because our friendship started because the queen died and then his guest episode week fell on the same week that this miracle took place. So I'm giving all credit oh, to Hunter. Right. It was that well, episode. I forgot about that. Amazing. This is our version of the queen dying, but way better. Um, all right. So, so my intention today with my story was originally going to be a list, but when I was researching the guys for the list, like the skies opened up, and the ghost of Henry Kissinger was like, it's really hot where I'm at. And uh, a player that I used to watch as a kid, like when I'm going through this list, stuck out. So I'm just going to go with him and do like an individual profile. So today we're going to talk about a guy named Kevin Green. Kevin Green was born in 1962 in Schenectady, New York. His dad was in the military. His family like moved around all over the place, army brat type stuff. He graduated from Granite City High School, so right outside of St. Louis on the Illinois side. He went to Auburn uh, initially to, for the ROTC. He tried to walk onto the football team as a punter when he was a freshman, but didn't make it. <laughs> and all of his like ROTC shit, I guess, bulked him up a little bit. So he walked on the team in 1983 on defense, and in 1984, he led the SEC in sacks. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, uh, he won a bunch of defensive award, awards that year. And then in 1985, he was drafted uh, in a regional draft by the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL. 
and then also by the LA Rams of the NFL. Um, okay. So I don't know exactly like how to rank players like with regional drafts. Is he the 20th pick overall, the 50th pick, whatever? But I thought this was interesting. Kevin Green was a fifth round pick uh, in 1985 in the NFL, but he was only the 113th player taken off the board. Really? So that's, yeah, less teams, I guess. So Green goes to the NFL and he starts his first two years as like a situational pass rusher in nickel and dime packages and is still second on the team in sacks in both of those seasons. Um, the problem is, is that Kevin Green was like a tweener, right? So part of him is like he could do the hand in the dirt and rush off the edge, but he was more naturally a 3-4 outside linebacker. To the credit of the Rams, defensive coordinator Fritz Shermer decided, check this out, this is going to sound wild to you. He was like, you know what? What if I based a scheme around the players that I have and what they do well? That's no stupid. Way. No. I know. But it, but it's but it's my system. We have to run my system. <laughs> this this unheard of move uh by Shermer created what was called the Eagle 5. The Eagle 5 had Kevin Green in as a stand-up outside edge rusher in what was essentially the Bears 46 defense but using five linebackers. So it was essentially a 5-2. Okay. The system that, you know, he built around his players was in place for three years. And in those three years, Kevin Green had 46 sacks, uh, one Pro Bowl, and then was all pro one year as well. Nice. Now, now stop me if you've heard this before. In 1991, Jeff Fisher shows up and decides, you know what? We're going to a 4-3 defense. Suck it. <laughs> wow. Green gets three sacks that year and the whole staff is fired. The next coach decides, okay, we're going to do a 4-3 as well. And Green's like, dude, I want to rush the passer. It's my job to rush the passer. But since it was a 4-3 as the weak side linebacker, he was like dropping back in coverage all the time, which makes no sense. Like, yeah. like Shane and Hunter, you guys are both fans of teams that have incredible edge rushers. And I'm sure you're also in the same spot as me when you see Khalil Mack or Micah Parsons drop back into coverage, and you're like, I, I get that you want to give him a different look, but why would you do he's that? Too, he's too. Yeah, Micah Parsons was my first thought when you started describing this dude. <laughs> yeah, very similar. So uh, he even went on record being like, I don't know why I have to drop back in coverage. That's not what I do well. Uh, he becomes a free agent and prioritized a team that used a 3-4 defense and went to Pittsburgh, signs a three-year contract, um, I told you about the, you know, when he was in the Eagle five for three, over three years, he racked up 46 sacks in three years in a three, four, he had 45 sacks again. God damn. Really? Uh, he, yep. He goes to Carolina for a few years. He plays a year in San Francisco and then he goes back to Carolina again. And he even makes a pro bowl in 1998 at the age of 36 with 15 sacks. Now, two years before that, in 1996, Kevin Green makes his first appearance in World Championship Wrestling, where really? he would, oh yeah, baby, he would wrestle, he accompanied dudes to the ring, and just do like, you know, pro wrestler shit. Yeah, yeah. He even teamed with Ric Flair and Roddy Piper to fight NWO members Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Six as the main event of Slamboree 1997. Slamboree. Slamboree. Kevin Green only wrestled five matches in his career over three years, but four of them were on pay-per-view. Got that money, baby. 
I'm saying. So when Green signed with the 49ers in 1997, they put a stipulation in his contract that during the season, he couldn't do any pro wrestling while on the team. And Carolina did the same when they would sign him next season. So that was the end of his career. Uh, He ends up coaching outside linebackers for Green Bay from 2009 to 2013. He does the same with the Jets for two years, a few years later. And uh, he unfortunately ended up passing away in December of 2020 from a heart attack at the age of 58. So before we close the book on the Kevin Green story, let's do some minor stat porn. He started 176 games. He owns a victory in solos competition against the giant Paul White via disqualification. Pretty cool. 23 forced fumbles. He has, on non-consecutive occasions, fought with Ric Flair and against Ric Flair. (laughs) Um, He had three defensive touchdowns, 734 tackles, and 160 career sacks, which is third all-time to this day. Wow. Kevin Green was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2016, and he is the missing link if you want to do two degrees of separation between Jerry Rice and Macho Man Randy Savage. That is Kevin Green. Good story. Thank you. I like. I remember him as as a kid. He was part of those '90s Steelers teams that were really good, but could never get over the top. Um, and I watch a YouTube series that goes over like the Monday Night WCW WWE wars, and I'm like, oh yeah, that dude's like one of the best defensive players of all time. <laughs> so I love that crossover. I love that's how you recognized him. You're just <laughs> watching wrestling one night, and you're like, holy shit, that's right. No, even worse, I was watching a YouTube recap of wrestling. <laughs> um, nobody, nobody watched WCW at that point. It's okay. Oh, uh, you're glad my you're lucky. My bandmate doesn't listen to my podcast; otherwise, he'd have something to say about that. Um, all right, so Shane and Hunter, uh, let's open up the floor. Let's open this pit up and, and talk some shit. Shane, you want to start us off? Yeah. So uh, Hunter's our guest. So I want to give him some shine. I got. Two questions because he's a Cowboys fan. I I hate to out you like that. Um, is Dak the MVP? I feel like he has to be. I mean, yeah, because I mean, like, who are the other candidates? Like, Hurts. Yeah, like Hurts and I guess like Purdy, but neither of them are actually playing quarterback that well. Um, Tyreek. Yeah, I, I, it should be Tyreek, honestly. Like, if, if you're ever going to give it to a non-quarterback, it should be Tyreek. Like, what he's doing this year is insane. But, yeah, for, to the extent that it's just a quarterback award, I think it has to go to Dak. Um, and I say that as a – yeah, we, we were talking about Romo before the show started. And so what, what I didn't get to is that I've kind of always been a big Dak skeptic because I always felt like he kind of stole Romo's first run with an actual good offensive line. Um, sure. so yeah, like even as recently as the start of the season, I was like, yeah, no, Dex, Dex shit. Like I've been right all along, but yeah, he's been balling out. So yeah, I, yeah, I do want to point out, I just looked it up. The last player to win MVP whose team did not finish first in their own division was Adrian Peterson in 2012. Oh, it's been over 10 years. I mean, it's a quarterback award, right? So you just give it to the best statistical yeah. quarterback on the best statistical True. team. That's true. Or, or you give it to That's Tyreek and you give it to a, a child beater twice. So <laughs> Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> a running back that didn't win his own division. That's crazy. Yep. And then my second one with that is uh, with Dak playing lights out. 
Can you believe that Kellen Moore was actually the problem in Dallas? Uh, yeah, I can. I was <laughs> kind of glad they fired him. And then like, I was second guessing it because everyone was so happy that he went to the Chargers and thought he was going to do great things. But yeah, I mean, it was... You're welcome. Did all kinds of bullshit <laughs> when, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I think Tony covered him pretty substantially in the offense uh, breakdown when he talked about the Chargers and the Cowboys of he runs a very predictable like curl system as well as yes. like not, not understanding like how your receivers actually work. I mean, we don't have to get into like the QJ thing, but the fact that they are using him like Mike Williams when he does not play as Mike Williams when you're like supposed to be this genius offensive coordinator is like a giant indictment to me to be like, oh, maybe you are actually the problem in regards to like holding back this elite level talent in Dallas. Um, did did you guys? I, I know that you watched the uh, the game last night. You know what's fucking awesome is when CD Lamb catches a football on the run. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's the problem with all the curl stuff. Is yeah, you 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 got guys standing still when they catch it, they get lit up, and then if the corner jumps the route, then they're the ones that are you know just fully break away straight shot to the end zone. So. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that Kellen Moore left and Dak stopped throwing a ton of picks. So, Mike McCarthy's so full of shit. We're just going to run the ball forever. We're never going to pass. We're going to run way more. You think we run a lot now. We're going to run even more. <laughs> we don't fucking care. Nope. We got, we're never yeah. listening to coaches again. They're all full of shit. Yep. My favorite thing about Mike McCarthy is that when he interviewed for the Cowboys job, he just completely bullshitted and said he loved analytics and had been studying analytics. And pretty much as soon as he got hired, was like, "Yeah, no, I don't, I don't believe any of that shit. We're just, you know." <laughs> if it it's works, Jam- Jamarcus Russell. I watched the tape. We're good. Yeah. Right. All right. So I, I did. Uh, this goes into your validating your priors. I did ask Evan this question. I would like to ask you too. Um, for my experiences, you don't really have like player takes you have more or less like a a value-based driven drafting style where you will kind of take whoever was if was is within a range of the draft pool who is not like the first guy in that pool so like you'll take the the least expensive player who can give you the same amount of points as the person who who is the most expensive so in like your because I know you're in a lot of leagues. Who are some of the guys that you drafted like really heavily in that you kind of, you either saw the value or you saw them slipping or you actually just believed in based on their production that have either hit for you or have not hit for you? Uh, let's see, guys. I just, so one guy that has been kind of like a sneaky good pick has been Cortland Sutton. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of big on going after the post-type sleepers just because um, I like we tend to be very results driven and reactive. Um, and I think it's good to do that in season, but then once the season's over, you kind of got to sit back and look at, okay, this guy is so like court and Sutland and like dynasty draft was like a fourth or fifth or sixth round player last off season. And then of course, you know, the Broncos were a train wreck, but, um, that, you know, they got a new coach and, you know, things kind of settled around him, but just nobody wanted anything to do with him. I had him in some dynasty leagues and I was trying to sell him and couldn't get like a third round pick for him. Uh, so this time around in startups, he, you know, he was sitting there in double digit rounds. I was like, all right, sure. Why not? You know, scrap Cortland Sutton. And um, yeah, so it's like, you know, I, I was manically trying to sell him the year before, but then his price slipped to a point where it made sense to grab him. So I have a decent amount of Cortland Sutton. Um, 
And then uh, Javante is another player that's kind of in that category where I've kind of, I never understood why he was this, you know, player that everybody thought was, you know, like a top five running back. But then um, his price kind of slipped to where it made sense to start taking him. So I ended up with Javante on all of my redraft teams, like all, all three of my redraft teams. And not that he's been a huge hit, but... Um, for, for a sixth round investment, though, I mean, I know I hit that at the end of the season where I was like, what do I lose as him as my RB3, right? Like, what is the price of investment to potential output? Well, you you missed if you took him there, you missed on Brian Robinson, but you also didn't draft Miles Sanders, right? My like, my bad, my bad, there, my bad on there, my bad my bad on Cortland Sutton and my bad on Miles Sanders. All right, I, I will pay my penance here. <laughs> well, well, I you know when you were talking about like the perception and the loss in value, like all I could think about for redraft right now because I'm still stuck in redraft brain, um, was how hard I faded Mike Evans. And well, how fucking it, stupid that uh, was. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that was like part of our process, right? Is what we got exposed to of like, just because these teams are theoretically bad doesn't mean they're not going to score fantasy points. Doesn't mean they have True. high caliber team players on their offense, right? Like, look at the Rams. Yeah. We were, people were talking about Kyron Williams last year, but he got injured, didn't really have the shine. And then nobody gave a shit, including myself. I didn't want to touch right. the Rams besides, besides Tyler Higby, and he hasn't done jack shit all year, except for last right. week. But remember, I, 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 think did, that... I did Tampa for my research this year, right? And I hated I on that team on paper. I did not think that Mike Evans would have the success that he's having. I thought it would, and I didn't even think any receiver would be having any success on that team with Baker. But yeah, surprise! You got to go with the dude who likes to sling the rock. I mean, these guys are playing for careers, and it's part of the process of understanding of like for us who are tape watchers and like take havers, we're Hunter's more of a data, a data driven guy and looking at potential output, like the, the, the narratives do shift, right? Yeah. And my, Mike Evans is kind of an interesting one because I, I saw a couple of different people do this where they compared like Vegas over unders for season long yardage to ADP and Mike Evans stood out as being like, it's like everyone around him was projected for like 700 yards by Vegas over unders. And he was at like a thousand um so yeah i mean i think i think the more like even people who analyze fantasy full-time for a living they can't watch every game and absorb everything that happens on every single play and like perfectly separate um you know okay this guy is playing bad because he has a bad quarterback or like it's it's just impossible to synthesize all the data into actionable takes so but when you have a hundred thousand people doing that then you know everybody's gonna have their own blind spots but it's all gonna kind of average out to where you get yeah pretty accurate picture so that's kind of like i i try to focus on the things i can do better than other people and i know i can't like for, for the most part i just i can't analyze players better than other people or better than the market so i let the market do a lot of that for me um and like of course i have you know guys I get hung up on, like, I, I want to take this guy slightly above ADP or whatever. But, um, yeah, for, for the most part, I just try to outsource as much as of my, you know, player analysis as I can and kind of focus on the, the macro strategy and the team composition and, like, the psychology of working your league mates and because that's where sure. I can actually get an edge. I love it. I, I have a Baker Mayfield question for the group uh, before we stray too far from the king. The New York football jets are four and seven at this moment. 
If they had signed Baker Mayfield instead of Aaron Rodgers, what's their record? Ooh. Ooh. Is it seven and four? I think they have clear no, record. I think it's I think it's five hundred ball. Okay. Cause that defense is fucking serious, man. Five and six or six and five, something like that. Well, and Garrett Wilson is so good that like Baker could just chuck it to him and they'd they'd find a way to make it work. Yeah, I've been trying to buy him all off or all off season. Just like, hey, I know you guys are losing because of this guy. Please let me buy him from you. But um Hunter, do you want to start talking about your sick ass tool that has been carrying us this season? Oh yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, so this started kind of from that mentality of like focusing what I can actually do better than other people. Um, and one of those things I cannot do better than other people is setting lineups. Um, <laughs> Cause I definitely can't like, it sucks. So I, I, I have a three year old and a five month old. Um, so like, I definitely can't stay on top of all the news and watch every single game and like know what's going on. Um, so this started just kind of as a tool for me to use for myself, like just a dinky little Python script. Um, and so, so I, I do, um, like software engineering for my job. Um, but I'm kind of like pigeonholed in a little bit of an obsolete technology. So I, I need like, pro and, and I can only learn new things if I'm working on a project, like I can't just read stuff. So this kind of just fit, oh, I need, you know, a side project. Um, yeah. So I started writing a script to um, scrape uh, Justin Boone's rankings and then pull in all my uh, sleeper lineups and just tell me where I have guys starting that were not in line with his rankings. Um, and then I just kind of kept building it out and building it out and then, and adding more features to it to just kind of streamline as much of my process and all the, the different data points I look at. Um, so, uh, and then it got to the point where I started, uh, sharing it first with like just, just Tony and Shane just to see what they thought of it. And then I started just, um, figured out how to get it sent as like an email report and asking other people if they wanted to, to use it. But um, yeah, so basically what this tool does, like I said, it checks um, my current lineups against um, rankings. And I ended up going with fantasy pros just because it updates faster. And I think more people trust it than, uh, you know, Justin Boone, but um, yeah. So, and it also checks to see if you've got Thursday players in your flex Um and then I started, um, I, I play, I, I mostly care about Dynasty these days. Um, and so I started building out a lot of tools to uh, analyze the things I analyze for Dynasty. Um, and, and kind of the main edge I got there. Um, so, so like uh, in the off season, I think we tend to get like Dynasty brain where it's like, oh my God, my team's amazing. I have JSN and Drake London and Garrett Wilson. Like I'm just going to dominate this year. Um, so one of the things I tr was trying really hard to do is look at teams and say, okay, how good is this team from like a purely redraft perspective, again, outsourcing to the market, like based on ADP. Um, and so what I've ended up doing and kind of the thing I use most in this tool is I've got, um, I list out all the teams in my dynasty leagues and rank them based on their um, redraft trade value from fantasy calc. Um, and so that's been really nice, especially early in the year, like teams getting off to a three and one start, but they've got like a bottom three roster in terms of their redraft trade value. And like, let me go try to get their first round pick. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, like so it um, kind of where the tool is at now. It's just like a one page report. You can just scroll through all your leagues and see who you need to start and sit, um, who's available on the waiver wire, sorted both by their like trade value and by their streamer value. So like what their fantasy pros rank is for this week. Uh, it tells you who your um, like who you can most afford to drop on your team based on their trade value. Um, and then a bunch of data about your league mates teams. Like I said, the, you know, their, what their first round pick would be based on their record, their points for, and then also just by their redraft value. And it's um, very accurate. Like I know some of my stuff I didn't mm-hmm. believe in the beginning when I got it. And it has like, we're in week 13 and they are falling in line. Like granted, I do have, cause I have three first in one league, for example, but they are all rotating around the same orbit right like 105 106 107 and we're just swapping right and your your tool has told me that since week one and i think that's like amazing to have that forecast 13 weeks in in advance to be like hey what can i pick on and who can i move and pick up you can you can kind of trojan horse your pick away as a high valued pick and then go get a better player for someone who thinks it's a higher end pick and then you just like tank the value of that pick and then just win the trade quote unquote I would I would like to see when when you feel like you're ready to roll it out to a wider audience because we were once like the 120th most listened to fantasy podcast in Canada. Um, <laughs> like come back on and we'll figure out a way that you can like present because you have a website you're working on right now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of in the process of figuring out how to like scale this up and make it fast enough as a website. Um, it's it, it's kind of tricky. Like there's a lot of calls to sleepers api which can be kind of slow if you're trying to do like hundreds um like yeah i've got some people so so right now i have a list of about 20 people that i run the report for and send them an email to so if you're interested in that find me on twitter or discord or whatever and i'll I'll add you to the list but um and use code fantasy for 15 percent off your one year subscription subscription order yeah there you go um but yeah yeah so i'm trying to figure out how to make it an actual website. Um, one of the one of the features that I have that I haven't seen anywhere else is um, I list out all the teams and show what players they have that are more tilted towards um, dynasty value versus players that are tilted towards redraft value. So you can kind of look at the bottom of the chart and say, all right, this guy's two and nine, but he still has, you know, uh, I don't know. He's got Aaron Jones on his team. Dumb because he's injured right now. But you know, Mike Evans. Guys that don't really fit their timeline and and try to go trade for that. So that's that's something that's if you're in twenty leagues, it's super time consuming to go look at every single roster and and make that evaluation. So I'm trying to get as much of that data and put it like in in one single view, so it can, you can go and make some trades based on it. But I, I'm wondering if maybe uh when when summer comes around if we feel like that's kind of something that you're ready to to share with more people uh we could do kind of like a dynasty startup draft and then like share our results and kind of go over how that tool would interpret that league yeah that's a cool idea um and just kind of like here's our board we'll post it online and you can see it and then kind of see how the tool interacts with it and which rosters are, are good, which rosters are bad. If you were this team, what kind of moves would you would make? I think that would kind of be a fun way to see the tool itself in action if y'all would be down. I love how you just pitched us doing another Dynasty League just casually. It's like, hey, you know what? Just hey, one more league. What, it's whatever. A, it's, a star, it's a startup mock. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, transition to best ball, right? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. fuck it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, that's awesome, man. That this sounds really fun. Like, I mean, you've I I'm biased because I've seen it, I've used it, I've been using it all week, and it was one of those things where Hunter would send it out, and for the first couple weeks, it got sent to my spam, and yeah, I was like, man. oh, you know, I I just gotta like re-update and make sure that my spam folders are good and and i went back and looked at the ones that had pumped out from the couple weeks prior and i'm like these were all right you know what i mean like follow the data man that's why that's why that's why i value like a different perspective on it right if like i like the homogenization of different viewpoints so we can just get better at the game yeah and then so uh hunter you had said if people want to get added to the list, they could reach out. What, where should they hit you up on Twitter? What's your stuff? Uh, it's on Twitter, I, th- I think I'm at actual goose FF. Um, and then on discord, I'm at actually a goose. So uh, all yeah. caps, no spaces when you say the man's name. Um, so we're going to take a quick break then. And we'll, we'll come back with DFS lineup and the rest of our assorted series of bullshit. So we'll see you soon. And goodbye. We're back. <laughs> Eighty-nine cent dollar, dollar buster. There it is. Um, all right, so we spent some time in the lab. It was Hunter's first time uh, spacing out in front of a DFS screen. I'm assuming, and. Yeah. We pulled together this DFS lineup 100% guaranteed to cash. It's never not cashed. Um, anyone who tells you otherwise is full of shit. Um, our quarterbacks, we have Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson. Our running backs are Raheem Mostert and Derek Henry. Our wide receivers are Mike Evans and Cortland Sutton. Our flex is Bijan Robinson. And we'll have Ryan introduce our tight end here in a second. So that's our build. Um, like I said, there's a lot of good matchups in here guaranteed to hit. You'll, you'll make money. Uh, this is not actually binding, but you, it's, it's a lock. <laughs> um, so Ryan, I want to point out before you do your mid tier kind of shitty tight end of the week, I crunched some numbers because you've been on a roll mm. and here's what I came up with over the last five weeks. Ryan's mid-tier kind of shitty tight end of the week has produced an average stat line of eight catches, 83.4 yards, and half a touchdown. That's 12.3 FanDuel points. That's a wide receiver, dude. Yep. Yeah. And those are discount tight end. Yeah, these are cut rate discount tight ends. So Ryan... Between 48 and 5,200... So Ryan, let's let's cut the shit, and why don't you introduce us to Ryan's mid-tier kind of shitty tight end of the week. Of the week, of the week, guys. I've been a, I've been on a roll. Uh, Fryermuth last week. Oh, how many yards did he get? Like hundred. Like, it was one twenty. Like hundred. Is that that's is that good? <laughs> that's, that's good, right? Uh, so sorry. So I'll stop tooting my own horn. No, dude. Uh, your hog. It's fine. Yeah. Crank it. <laughs> toot, toot. All right. <laughs> so this week, this week we are going Juwan Johnson. Seven targets last week, as Tony pointed out early. 
earlier in a conversation we had, he led the team in routes run, right? Yes, sir. Um, I guess I, when I was first looking at this yesterday, I was like, this is probably the best games for, for him. Got a little bit, got a little bit, um, more involved last week. Um, we've got Shahid out this week. Um, as of yesterday, uh, Olave was in concussion protocol still, but I was just informed that he practiced today. So he must have saw that independent doctor. Because, <laughs> like, I, like, like I said uh, earlier, I was saying one in six players uh, only come back the next week after being diagnosed with a concussion. That's I guess crazy. he's the exception. Um, But... That's what I'm going with this week, guys. Juwan Johnson, 4,900. Um, also, as we pointed out earlier, if you always want to get super unique with your lineups, uh, Brevin Jordan going to be the starting tight end for Houston this week against a team that statistically does not do well against the tight end. So he's only 4,300, guys. You can you could get CMC, King Henry, Kamara. Montgomery, Gibbs, any of those guys, all in your lineup if you put that guy in tight end. Um, but that's that's but, not mid tier, man. That's like no, that's premium. That's, that's cheapest, cheap free space. That's that's cheap, cheap, cheap prices. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, well, and think about this: when you have in a DFS slate, when you have a guy that's literally a free space because he's so cheap, like think about how high owned that Brevin Jordan's going to be. If Juwan Johnson doubles his points, like think about the the advantage you just gained. You know what I mean? Right. Remind me, remind me too, Tony, on Sunday to look that up. Uh, the percentage owned Brevin Jordan. Okay. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be like forty, but it might be like twenty five or thirty. You yeah. Know? All um, right. So Juwan Johnson. Think, yeah. So I think even that it, he'll be more. I think Juwan Johnson's going to be less than ten percent owned too. Uh, but yeah, it's a good pivot, um, and he's getting involved in that pass game. And New Orleans is going to have to pass this week against Detroit, who's most likely going to be playing ahead at least a touchdown or two most of the game. All right, Jawan Johnson with a little side of Brevin Jordan. Moving on, Shane. Yeah. What are the props you like this week? This week felt kind of felt chunky to me. I don't know why. I just got like bad vibes. Um, probably because we were spoiled last week with games. But I'm gonna go with the, a hater to start. Yes, Desmond Ritter under 174.5 passing yards. The Jets give up the fourth lowest amount of passing yards to the QB position with an average of 183 yards per game, and they have played much more talented teams and much more talented quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. This is his toughest matchup so far of the year when it comes to secondaries. The best defense he. Uh, faced secondary wise before this was at the first game of the season, which was Carolina where he put up 115 yards. And I believe this game is going to be really, really ugly. Yeah. My next one, um, this is an alluding to Hunter on his last episode that he was on. He used the phrase eating your vegetables and it's been ingrained in my vocabulary ever since um, because I don't ever want to watch Steelers football. And I'm taking the Jalen Warren over of 58.5 rushing yards. Uh, this matchup feels too good to pass up from a rushing standpoint because Arizona is the worst rushing defense in the NFL. And Warren has shown that he's a good, consistent complement that can be leaned on, and it's putting up basically 5.8 yards per carry. Ooh. Jane, can I, can I point out, too, that earlier I was looking at lines on the book 
And in that game, Warren now his uh sorry, his run yards over or his line is more now than Harris's, even after Harris had that good week last week. His rush yard is more than his now. It was only like by a yard or two, but I I think fantasy analysts have slandered Najee Harris enough to just make the universe will Jalen Warren to take over that job slot. <laughs> Like yep, they just straight right. bull- bullied <laughs> the talent level. <laughs> um, my last one, I feel like this is kind of chalk. Uh, Michael Pittman over six point five receptions. Michael Pittman is showing who show is showing who he is. He's basically a target hog who's going to slice up this bad secondary this week. Um, I am apprehensive for Minshew against a pressure against a decent D line, um, but Pittman has been been pretty much money this year with when it comes to consistency. Yet again, year over year. Uh, he's never really a sexy play, but he's a dude who will give you seven receptions for 95 yards, and you're fine with 11 points on your on your score point. Um, he, I, we will lean into the shits to riches thing, but I do think the indie game is going to be better than people anticipate. And I say that as someone who, who predicted the best game of the week to be the abysmal Bears versus Vikings. So, my bad. Sure. Uh, I want to point out that with Gardner Minshew, Michael Pittman's averaging 10.3 targets per game and 17.5 fantasy points per game. He's been wide receiver eight with Gardner Minshew. Dude, those are nice. Matt Ryan numbers. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, I was dude. I say that 6.5 seems super low. Like, he could get that in the first half just because, just like, yeah. they got to throw it to. There's a chance Michael Pittman ends up, like, top three plays of the week. All right. So... Let's do our uh, shits to riches game real quick, and then we'll play the game. Um, so our idea here is to identify a game on the slate that maybe people are sleeping on and that we think will be fruitful for you to target in your various endeavors. So let's start. Hunter, you want to start us off? You got a game that you've identified as maybe a, a sleeper banger? Yeah, I got one. Um, so... I think Cardinals Steelers could be a surprisingly fun one. So, I mean, like, we, so one thing that has been very deeply embedded in my brain this season was all the videos of the Raiders uh, after they fired their coach. Like, they were just having so much goddamn fun, like smoking (laughs) cigars in the locker room, playing basketball, like, just so much happier cutting loose on the field, too. It seems like the Steelers kind of did the same thing after they fired Matt Canada. So, yeah, uh, I think they can keep that rolling, and then obviously the Cardinals get uh, Kyler Murray back, and uh, you know Connor's getting healthier, and um, yeah, just just seems like two teams that are trending up, and that everyone's going to think is disgusting and being trying to fade. Um, yeah, it could be like a surprisingly fun game. I'm with that, uh, Shane. What do you got? Shits to riches. I got Indianapolis versus Tennessee. Okay. It's going it's nice. to be really ugly, ugly, sloppy football, but I think these teams are just going to sling it because they're not going to be able to run against each other. And it's going to be a Mayo man versus the dude who your aunt loves. Show, <laughs> show that, show down. And that, and I'll, I'll say too, that game, because I'm looking at the lines right now, that, that game has like the highest point total I've ever seen for a Titans game 42 and a half. <laughs> That's a power Will Levis, man. He's a psyop, like I said. He's a psyop for fantasy points now. Um, all right. Ryan, your shits to riches game of the week. All right. Let's see. 
I'm going Detroit versus New Orleans. There All we right. go. Um, not the highest point total. That's like the third or fourth highest. Let's see. We got the Dolphins Commanders game at 49 and a half. We got Frisco 47 and a half. Uh, and this game is at 47. So I I don't know. I I think Detroit's kind of fallen off the the wagon a little bit and they haven't had one of those uh super high scoring games. Um and I think just everyone cooks in this game. Detroit puts up a lot of points and New Orleans is just constantly throwing the ball and trying to come from behind this game could make your fantasy or your DFS life a lot better this week. Okay. I, I like, you know, I like what we're, where you're going with this. So I'm going to hit you guys with the Uno reverse card here. And I'm going to give you my riches to shits game of the week. All right. San Francisco versus Philadelphia. Even worse. Oh, yeah. Miami and Washington. Oh shit. I think Miami and Washington is going to be an ugly ass mess of a game. 45 to 42. No, <laughs> this, I think that this game, I don't mind an underplay on this game. Like Hunter had called out Arizona and Pittsburgh. And yeah. one, one of my, my plays of the week for the article I write for football absurdity is their, their combined total over at 41 and a half. I think there's a okay. chance that that game can get, um, I think each team could score three touchdowns, no problem. And the the Washington Miami game, it just it feels like a trap. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be wet. It's going to be shitty. And I think it's just it's going to look like last week's game against against the Jets. And I think it'll be a little bit more competitive. So I'm not sure it's going to hit 50 points. So that's my riches to shits game of the week. So what you're saying is Sam Hell 99 yard touchdown run. Yeah. Run? Oh, shit. Fuck it. He's got I the wish sauce. I could put a bet on that. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, oh, God, it'd be like plus 50,000. You, you could buy a house. <laughs> yeah. Right? Off of $1. Uh, $1 bet. All right. My <laughs> friends, welcome to the game. I'm going to have you work collaboratively on this one because it's a tough one. And I'm actually going to give you two misses before the game's over. On your third, you are eliminated. Seven quarterbacks have thrown double-digit interceptions this season. Name six of them. Seven quarterbacks, double-digit interceptions. Let's see here. All right, Sam Howell has to be one of them, right? It's got to be. Um, what do you think, Shane? Sam Howell? Yeah, I can see that. All right, Sam Howell is Sam Howell's correct, baby. There's number one. 13 All interceptions. Right. Let's see. Josh Allen. Oh. Oh yeah, he's had a lot. I think so. He's on the cusp. I think he's like number eight on the list. Let's well let's break it. He had like three in the first game of the season, right? Yeah. And then he just had one of them. He just threw four in one game. He's got to have Josh Dobbs is one. Someone said that in the dynasty chat today. He he has like 12 interceptions and like 11 fumbles or something like that. All right. Lock in Josh Dobbs. All 
All right. Josh Dobbs is tied with multiple other players at 10 interceptions. Ooh. Oh, wow. All right. Um, so do we want to submit Jordan. Josh Allen? I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, I guess I'm down for Josh Allen. All right. All right. Josh Allen is tied with Sam Howell for first place with 13 interceptions. Um, Jordan Love? I don't know about him because I know he's inaccurate. I just don't know what his turnover rate is. Right. Uh, how about Mac Jones? Yeah. Has he thrown enough to throw? Yeah, I'm <laughs> not, has he I'm thrown not 10 sure, passes? Yeah. Um, Baker? You would think, right? Right. What about Tyson Bajan, Ryan? Have you, watched, have, you, have you watched enough? Enough <laughs> three games. Um, let's see who it's not. It's not. It's not Russell Wilson. It's not Dak, I don't think. Could be Herbert. MVP Dak? Yeah. Chargers, maybe. Yeah, could be Herbert. They've been playing shitty. Um... It's not Geno Smith, I don't think. No. <clears throat> He's close, though. Yeah. yeah. It's not I don't, And wait, did... Uh, no, Kirk Cousins probably didn't play enough to get 10 interceptions. He was playing really uh, good, too. Yeah. Daniel Jones... And it's, it's, it's not... Um, it's not Houston's quarterback, CJ. Um, Is it PJ Walker? No. I don't think so. Uh, it's not Burrow, I don't think. Has Bryce thrown play enough? Oh, yeah, maybe oh, Bryce Young. Bryce, yeah. That's a good guess. Want to try Bryce? What do we got? We have three, right? Or four? You have three. Okay. So we got three more. Well, four more. We have three. We well, only need to do you. You only need to do six of the seven. Yeah, but what if we want to get the Baker seven? <laughs> That's hey, man, let it ride. What about what about Desmond Ritter? Ooh, uh, I know yeah, he has more fumbles that much. Yeah, I, I think try Ritter? Baker and Ritter are decent guesses. Are you Which submitting you do first? Desmond Ritter? Are you submitting Desmond Ritter? Yes. All right, do it. Desmond Ritter has eight interceptions. He is not Damn on it. our uh, list. Oh, coward! Should we do Baker? Should we do Baker? <laughs> Fuck it. Let's go. let's burn two. Let's go. All right, Baker. Baker Mayfield has seven interceptions. He is not on the list. What? Good, okay. good for Baker. All right, so it's got to be Bryce Young then. I don't know, man. Like, no. I think he's taking more sacks and picks. Uh, how about Kenny Pickett? I feel like that's a Mac Jones question as he throwing the ball yeah, yeah. <laughs> to turn it over. Yeah. Uh, volume issue. Uh, it's not golf, I don't think. Um, well, didn't he have three on Thanksgiving? Yeah, but he wasn't. Yeah, that, it's that been was a while was... since he had a game like that, though. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's right. He's Is a Derek shit. Carr? Ooh. So, it's not. Is it Fields? 
Uh, probably not. You watch all the Bears games. You'd have the answer to that. It's like you're Vietnam. Yeah. We try fields. I don't think he's played enough. Like, I, I don't, dude. I hate this year in quarterbacks so much. I, I feel like there's a list of 50 players I have to think about. And I'm just like, I don't know any of these guys. I want to give you guys a hint. Can I give you guys a hint? Yeah. Two of these quarterbacks play each other this week. It's not, and, the, it's not the Kyler game. And uh, I, I'll make it, I'll hook you up because you guys need a dub here. Um, one of the, the other guy that you've are, you've already named one of the guys that's in that game. Okay. So fields, Goff. No, no, no. One of the well, guesses you've already gotten right. So you have Howell, Allen and Dobbs. Oh, oh okay. So then it could be Hertz. It could be. I think Hertz. it is Hertz. I think Hertz has thrown 10 picks. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Hurts. Jalen Hurts is tied with 10 interceptions. All right. There we go. Because he always does that dumb shit where they do really bad football for three quarters and they just go lights out the last quarter. So we have four now. You have four out of seven. Five. five. No. We're at at F. (laughs) Uh, If it makes you feel any better, you also did not name the quarterback that I was alluding to. Wow. Is it Tua? Did we do Tua? Can't be Tua. No? Who else is there? Because we have Josh Allen, so we've already got Hurts. Oh, no, Hurts Hertz is not playing them. Uh, who's Buffalo? Oh, no, is Buffalo on a bye this week, right? Correct. We did Buffalo, and we got uh, Allen and Hurts. Well, they're not playing. That was from last week. Buffalo's on a bye, so it can oh, only yeah, be yeah, the, yeah. The, only the first two that we picked, which were Sam Howell and uh, shit. Who was our other one? Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Brock Purdy. And the Vikings are on a bye this week, too, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's it's Good Tua. Because Tua, Tua plays the Giants. Tua plays Washington. Yeah, Tua, sorry. Yeah, they play Washington. Yeah, 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 who's Howell? Yeah, so it's Tua. Locking it in? Should we do it? One out of three. It's, uh, it's democracy. We need, <laughs> we need another vote. I'll, I'll say vote for it, yeah. Okay. Tua has 10 interceptions. He is on the Ooh. list. Let's go. Hell yeah. Sometimes I can do puzzles. So we need one more? One more for the six, and if you want to go for the seven, you can go for the seven. It's not looking like we're going to get the seven. Uh, uh, I will give you one last. I will give you one last hint. You have spoken out loud the names of the two quarterbacks remaining already. We named fucking all the okay. all the starting quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. No, there's there's a few that are close. Um, like like Mahomes has nine. He's not. You haven't mentioned him, so there's a freebie. True. Um, I, I did say last one. The last one I said was Purdy. Who else did we say? Purdy, Goff, Lamar. Um, oh yeah, Lamar. Isn't he having a career year on accuracy though? Yeah, I'm, I'm I don't think tripped it's because he's had a lot of fumbles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what what about Goff? Could it be Goff? 
They've been throwing the ball I, a lot too. I guess yeah. I guess it could be. It's Goff or Carr. That's my guess. I'm I'm down to guess Goff. He does the himbo thing. <laughs> All right, Goff. Goff's locked Goff. in. Uh, Jared Goff is incorrect. Oh. oh. Um, the two remaining quarterbacks that you did not name tied with Hertz, Dobbs, and Tua with 10 interceptions is Jordan Love. I knew it. God damn it. And in, in sole possession of second place with 12 interceptions is McCorkle Jones. Damn it. Oh, I said both man. of those. Damn, he's been damn. bad. <laughs> uh-huh. He has uh, 12 interceptions on 345 attempts. So that's that's bad. Holy crap. Yeah. Is his name really McCorkle? It's his that middle name. Crazy. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that's the game. Thank you all for playing. And uh, I don't know. It's always fun. I always like jogging the memory like that. Totally stole that idea from Evan Hoover, Football Absurdity. So shouts out. Um, with that done, Ryan, let's take a trip. All right. So let's go. Let's go on a trip this week, guys. I want to go to a place that's the biggest inland harbor in the world. All right. <laughs> now, world. where did I say? <laughs> that's right. In the world. The world. The world. All right. So <laughs> where did I say that uh, Gordy Solto was from? Duluth, Duluth Minnesota. Minnesota. There it is. All right. So they have um, the biggest the biggest port um, and the farthest you can go west on the St. Lawrence Seaway and your travels into the Great Lakes of the United States of America. Um, they handle... Their port handles over 1,100 visits from domestic and international ships. Most of that uh, traffic, 90% of that is domestic traffic because to get through the St. Lawrence Seaway, you have to have a smaller ship. So these bigger ships predominantly roam the Great Lakes because they can get through the locks system, but they cannot get out to the ocean. Only about 10% of um, this port's intake and export is international trade because the ships have to be smaller 700 feet or less uh ships that roam the great lakes can be over a thousand feet um but their holes are uh, dig deeper so they can't make it through st lawrence seaway uh did you guys know that ice cream on pie pie a la mode was invented by a guy in duluth minnesota in 1885 that, you probably live like a king, dude. Those luxury specific, items right there. Yeah. Specifically blueberry pie. That's a, um, that's a good call. That's the most 1885 invention I've ever heard. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, what if we just put ice cream on this? Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> How did you think of that? <laughs> oh, I like, I, like, I like food. Right. Like, I can't imagine him, like, coming home to his wife and being like, check it out. <laughs> thought of this today right um here's another here's another invention from 1887 tony that's kind of the same concept so before 1887 all elevators um you had to manually open the door which is why there's like elevator guys and stuff back in the day and stuff so in 1887 the guy was like hey what if i didn't have to do that 
and he invented the mechanism that automatically opens doors for elevators. Laziness is the best gift that humanity has ever given to each other. <laughs> Hell yeah. Right? Um, so they have the Duluth International Airport. Um, it services uh, a lot of uh, nonstop flights to Chicago and Minneapolis. So major connecting cities so these people can get to different places. But in this town, they also have the Dick Bong Airport. Right? <laughs> named, named after Richard I. Bong, a World War II ace pilot. Um, that's like that's like their midway. <laughs> that that's like almost not even real. Or that that or Hunter, you're from Hunter, you're from Texas. It's, it's like it's like uh, like flying into DAL versus DFW. <laughs> So in 1916, uh, another thing born out of laziness, um, they had the uh, America's first ever mall. Uh, hey, let's just go to one place and do a thousand things instead of going <laughs> to a thousand different places. I love a pretzel and orange juice while I shop. Right? <laughs> Cinnabon. Uh, built by U.S. Steel, over 10,000 people attended this uh, mall opening. They had a butcher, a billiard room, a general shop, uh, a barber shop. Uh, you could do anything there. Um, they even, in the basement, made ice where they made eight tons of ice every day uh, as part of this ice factory. Shit. Um, so they can make the ice cream. To put on their <laughs> Dude, so, guys. Dude, big ice moment. <laughs> right? Big ice is so huge. Be careful. Be warned. <laughs> All right, but you know what's you know what's bigger than big ice? What's big that? pizza rolls. Because guess where <laughs> pizza rolls were invented? In Duluth, Minnesota. All right, That's we all remember huge. from our childhood years, Gino's pizza rolls. All right. So in the forties, um, Gino Pellucci uh, was working at a as a grocer in the Duluth area, and he noticed like a market for, for some reason, prepared Chinese food. So. He borrowed $2,500, uh, which is, at this time is equivalent to like $30,000 from a friend. And he started canning popular American chow mein under the label Tun King, which I, I'm not sure is a, late, a brand today, but he started like the whole canned chow mein like industry. It became a huge success and he sold it in 1966 for $63 million, equivalent oh to almost a half a billion today. Um, and in 1968, after selling that business, he was bored and he invented Gino's Inc., the, infa the infamous pizza roll um, and pizza product company. Um, and held that company and established the pizza roll brand from here to come. We still have Totino's today. We've got Costco brand. We've got Jewel brand. We got everything. All right. Pizza rolls. America loves them. The king of junk food. Give me some right? greasy ass noodles and some pizza. Well, it, so, <laughs> the invention of the the invention of the pizza roll, I feel like, comes ideologically from the same uh, mindset or grind set as your pie a la mode. Where it's like, <laughs> right. all right, so this we've got this thing. We already have the right. thing. But how can we manipulate the thing to make it a new thing? The downside right. of this is, like, 
these people were the prototypical stoners. They just couldn't say it, right? Like, you know these dudes took hallucinogens to be like, you know, be fucking good, dude. Roll this pizza <laughs> in, in a little bite-sized piece and you could have 50 of them. Yeah. Uh. It's, there's a culinary tradition of Duluth, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. A culinary tradition and a musical tradition. Okay. This, this town's very famous for music. But, all right, let's talk about some famous people from Duluth, Minnesota. Let's go. All right. I know Shane or Hunter might not know this, but one of the biggest uh, chain, not it's not a chain restaurant. It's it's Bob Chin's Crab House in yep. Wheeling, Illinois. Yep. Um, it's one of the busiest restaurants in America. They do almost 24 million in annual revenue. Um, and it's a seafood restaurant in Wheeling, which is a suburb, a northwest suburb of Chicago. And they fly in like seafood every morning and they put like the uh the air bills up on when you walk into the restaurant so you can see where your fish came from that day with most likely hawaii or japan or whatever mr bob chin is from duluth minnesota bob chin's crab house there you go you uh, gotta like stop and look up a picture of this guy because uh <laughs> bob oh two ends on the bob chin yeah yeah double chin um We've got David David Oric, and famous inventor of the Oric vacuum, and vacuum business. Um, as we all said, or as I said earlier, the inventor of the pizza roll, Joe Pellucci. Huge. We've got Otis Dozovic, a wrestler for the WWE. I don't yep. know what his stage name. Uh, we've got famous comedian Maria Bamford. Um, yeah. You, yep. I love Maria Bamford. Underrated. Yeah, she's pretty good. Uh, we got uh, Soul Asylum band founder, Dan Murphy. There you go. All right. We've got, uh, let's see, Bill Berry, uh, drummer for R.E.M. Hey. Yep. We've got uh, Jim Ahern, a PGA golfer. Uh, Don Devine, he coached, it was a famous head coach for Missouri, Notre Dame, and the Green Bay Packers. Uh Derek Forbort, uh, NHL hockey player for the Boston Bruins. One of Tony's favorite players for the Minnesota Vikings. I don't know. Is he on the Vikings anymore? CJ Ham is oh, from yeah. Duluth, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Um, Neil Pionk, uh, hockey player for Winnipeg Jets. Um, Bill Irwin, uh, WWE's The Goon. Um Let's Terrible see. Name. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot um, about this guy. You guys remember the famous voice um, from like the '80s, '90s, early 2000s? In a world, all right. Yeah. Don LaFontaine, famous voice voiceover actor, is from Duluth, Minnesota. Keep Hell yeah. that phrase. All right. In a world. But fuck yeah. The most famous person that will ever be from this town, Mr. Bob Dylan. Born and raised in the Duluth area in Minnesota, outside of Hibbing. Uh, he basically lived there until he got so involved with listening to Woody Guthrie and um, wanting to be a part of the folk movement. He picked up and left when he was like 16, 17 and moved to New York. And it's all history after that. Bob Dylan, Duluth, Minnesota. Damn. Um. I looked something up while you were doing this, and I want to point out um, the TV sitcom The Louis Show, uh, written and co-created yeah, and starring I Louis Anderson. Yeah. It's from Duluth. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's huge. That's like yeah. bootleg Drew Carey show. Yep. One thousand percent. Um before before we wrap up, I gotta point out like I don't even know if I wanna name the episode Dick Bong because like it's too on the nose. <laughs> right? We yeah. should call it we should call it the Gooners because we're the fan of the Goon the wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> um but I wanted to point out this Dick Bong thing real quick. I was on tour once and we played in Madison and we took these like edibles that some Wook had made us and, and we got rocked and we went to this art show because the guy that was hosting us was like, hey, we're going to this art show down the block and then you're going to play the show. Everyone who's coming to the show is at the art show. So we'll all just kind of hang out there. And the theme of the art show was called Dongs and Bongs. <laughs> <laughs> and so every piece of art in this gallery had some form of like a penis and a bong. They had oh like Tony Co- pipe, dude. They had like Tony Cox Pro Skater. It was like a <laughs> mock-up of the Tony Hawk cover with like a penis riding a skateboard with a bong. It was fucking awesome. And then we got to the the venue and I was like blind high and I get on the mic and I'm like, hey, do you guys see all those dicks and skateboards? And just got crickets. <laughs> and was like, all right, let's play the next song. Let's let's play the next song. Um, all right. So anybody got any business before we get out of here? Episode 109? No, man. We uh, think we so. just made it. Feel pretty good about what we've accomplished here today. Hunter, thank you for joining us. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, anytime. Um, and then we'll be back next week. So... Thanks for coming by, and I uh, hope you enjoy the weekend, and hope you enjoy all the games, and uh, yeah. see you soon. Good football, everyone. Happy football. Derek Carr.